Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. In the NOCO is supported by Blue Federal Credit Union, with locations from Denver to Cheyenne, helping members tap into the power of community. More information at bluefcu.com. You're listening to a special 2022 midterm elections episode of KUNC's Colorado Edition. Welcome back. I'm State House reporter Lucas Brady Woods. It's Friday, October 14th, and the midterms are less than a month away. Ballots start going out to voters on Monday, and there's a lot at stake here in Colorado. First of all, there are 11 statewide ballot measures. They cover a ton of issues, including affordable housing, free school lunches, and legalizing magic mushrooms for some medical treatments. We also have a brand new congressional district that's pretty much a toss-up between Republicans and Democrats. Then there are also a bunch of statewide and local races. In fact, one of the most watched U.S. Senate races in the country this election season is right here in Colorado. I sat down with both of the candidates, Republican challenger Joe O'Day and incumbent Senator Michael Bennett. We'll hear from Bennett later in the show. But first, I spoke with O'Day about his platform, which includes shrinking government and limited access to abortion. He also says he would vote to codify same-sex marriage. Mr. O'Day, thanks for taking the time to speak with me during a busy election season. Yeah, Lucas, good to be on with you today. Thank you for having me. Some Republican leaders, both in Colorado and nationally, have said your position will help win over independents who voted Democrat in 2018 and 2020. How do you plan to do that ahead of this year's election? Oh, look, we've built a, a huge tent here in Colorado. We've, we've attracted a lot of good, geo, strong GOP Republicans, some strong Trump Republicans, independents, unaffiliated, and we've even got some disgruntled uh, Democrats that have have donated money to my campaign and, and are going to vote for me. And that's because uh, we're not uh, too far to the right and we're not way far to the left. We're in the middle. And uh, I'm excited about representing Colorado. Uh, I've, I'm uh, really excited about the tent we've built and the coalition that's that's pushing us across the finish line here in November. And I think that's what Colorado is about. They're, they're not extreme. They're, uh, they're in the middle. And they want representation uh, that, you know, ignores the parties. So speaking of speaking of issues, I'd like to dive in to those issues with one you've said is a priority of yours, inflation. You've uh, also criticized the Inflation Reduction Act, which was recently passed by Congress. So to address rising inflation moving forward, what specific actions would you take as a senator that are different from those taken by the Inflation Reduction Act? And conversely, what does actually work in that legislation, if anything, and how would you build off of it? Well, look, uh, I've been against that uh, Inflation Reduction Act because it's a tax. It's a tax on working Americans. Uh, And it does nothing to reduce inflation. In fact, uh, it'll even Bernie Sanders is saying that it'll add to inflation. When you print money willy nilly and throw it into the market, when you spend money like the $1.9 trillion that uh, they threw into the market here a year ago, March, for the rescue plan. And that was uh, 100% Democrats that voted for that. There was no Republicans behind that bill. It causes record inflation. Colorado's got record inflation right now. They said 15.6%. That's as if most working Americans are working an entire month for free. It's over 10% of what people are taking home. They've lost that buying power. Um, So 
we need to quit spending. And back to this Inflation Reduction Act, the Committee on Joint Taxation has said that that the tax, the taxation that they are going to put in place, uh, they've hired 87,000 new IRS bureaucrats is what the number is that I've heard it all the way down to 40,000, regardless of how many. They're coming after working Americans and they're gonna shake them down. And that's just not good use of growing our government. We don't need more government. And that's why I've been so opposed to the Inflation Reduction Act. Let's switch gears a bit here. The majority of Coloradans are reportedly against abortion restrictions. And while you have expressed support for some abortion access, you also signed a petition in 2020 supporting a 22-week abortion ban. Can you clarify your stance on abortion for our listeners? Look, I've been consistent since I got into this race. I believe it's a woman's right to choose for the first five months. That should be between her and her doctor. And after that, exceptions of rape, incest, uh, medical necessity for the for the uh, that decision should also be between a woman and her doctor. I haven't changed one time. I've been beat up over it for uh, months uh, with the, from the Republican Party, but uh, I haven't changed my stance, and I'm not going to. That's how I'll vote. How much access should people have to other forms of reproductive health care, like contraception? Uh, I believe contraception should be. We should have access to that. I, I vote to codify by that. Uh, I also believe that uh, uh, gay marriage should be codified. They, they should live their good lives as well as we can live ours. Healthcare is so expensive in the U.S. that it can be unattainable for some Americans, sadly. And you've specifically expressed support for an increased access to mental health care, but you're also largely against government spending. So how do you propose to increase mental health care access without increasing government spending on it? Well, I believe it's it's uh, about setting priorities. Uh, we need to quit funding uh, uh, other programs. We need to quit funding bureaucrats like 87,000 IRS bureaucrats. That's not a good priority. Uh, we should redirect that money. I believe that money should go to uh, securing our border. But those are the priority choices that people need to make, and I'll make those tough choices. I believe that we should fund uh, mental health. Uh, but at the same time, I think we need to lower the the uh, employee count for all the bureaucracies. So what specifically would you support spending government money on in regard to addressing mental health? I've been very consistent. I believe that, you know, mental health is a priority. We need to be compassionate. We need to get people into uh, treatment centers that have uh, alcohol and, and drug addictions. Uh, it's not compassionate to leave them on the street. I believe some of that should be funded by at the local level. Um, but also, I believe that the federal government does have a role, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put more money into something new until we can cut back other areas of our spending. And as I said, uh, growing the uh, uh, IRS uh, to the fourth largest bureaucracy, uh, that's not a good use of our tax dollars. Another area that impacts mental health care is housing. What would you do differently as a senator to address the housing crisis here in Colorado? Again, this goes back to big government, government in the way of, of housing. When we talk specifically about Colorado, we've put in place a construction defect act. I think that went in place back in 2004, maybe 2005. And that has gutted the condominium product here 
in Colorado. We haven't been building pro, uh, condominiums because of the lawsuits that come with those very uh, products. And uh, I know specifically my company, uh, Concrete Express, has has uh, walked away from that product. We we don't do any more overlock grading or any more work on those sites because uh, you get a lawsuit. Um, that's not healthy. It's eliminated what most people who used to use as a starter home here in Colorado. I know when my wife and I uh, moved into our first place, it was a condominium and uh, it was affordable. Um, and that's usually affordable product. But when you have to over-insure that, when you've got big government telling you how to build that, uh, it, it starts to add to the cost of housing. And that's what I've seen here across the board. So we've got to get government out of the way. We've got too much regulation over these sites, over these products. And, and we need to get back to uh, asking the private sector to build us something affordable. And they can do it, uh, but it's going to take government getting out of the way. That was Joe O'Day, Republican candidate for Colorado's U.S. Senate seat. Now to incumbent Senator Michael Bennett. His platform includes expanding tax benefits for parents, increasing transparency in health care, and getting special interests out of American politics. Senator Bennett, I know this is a busy time, so thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be back with you. So the Child Tax Credit Program is a signature project of yours in the Senate. Can you walk me through it and where it stands? Sure. Well, we we enacted it as part of the American Rescue Plan last uh, year, and it reduced childhood poverty in America almost by 50 percent. We reduced hunger in America, America by 25 percent, uh, and in Colorado as well, where 90 percent of the kids in Colorado benefited from the enhanced child tax credit, their families receiving on average about $450 a family to pay for groceries and rent and, um, and and to pay for food. Unfortunately, it's come to an end, and I think we need to now make it permanent. Um, there are Republicans like Mitt Romney that are working on different versions of this as well, and my hope is that when we go back in the lame duck session, we might have the opportunity to extend it for the American people. That sort of takes me into the next question. Inflation and the economy is one of the highest ranking issues for Coloradans going into the midterms. Um, Some people worry that too much government spending will undermine its recovery. Can you explain why government spending on things like the child tax credit or, for example, free school lunches here in Colorado will help reduce inflation and boost the economy? Well, I think not all spending is equal. When you think about the child tax credit, I mean, the amount of money that it represent compared to the size of the economy uh, means that inflation is not going to be materially caused. And at the same time, it would benefit dramatically, mightily families that are struggling with higher prices, because that $450 a month that families were getting on average essentially would cover the increases in costs that people are facing. So I think we need to look at this all you know, together and understand how these pieces work together. Along with inflation, cost of living continues to rise, and it's a big problem for Coloradans, as you know. You've said lowering it for Coloradans is one of your priorities, including costs for health care and housing. What specific actions will you take in your next term to bring down health care costs, specifically for Coloradans? First of all, we've just passed a bill that will bring down health care costs for Coloradans because the Inflation Reduction Act caps 
uh, drug prices for seniors at $2,000 a year. Uh, it caps the cost of um, uh, insulin at $35 a month for seniors. We tried to cap it for everybody, but unfortunately, the Republicans stopped us from being able to do that. So that's something I'd like to go back and fix. And for the first time in American history, because of the bill we passed, Medicare is going to be required to negotiate drug prices on behalf of the American people. So I think we've already done some things that are going to make a difference. Obviously, we're not seeing the effects of those yet. You know, what we need to do more broadly in terms of health care is create much more transparency in our health care system so that we can actually understand what everything costs. Not, not just what you're charged, but what things actually cost. People need to be able to see that transparency, understand when they're having to make decisions to cut their prescription drugs in half because they can't afford their prescription drugs. It's too hard for people to understand, you know, why that is. I think that we've got it. We have to make our healthcare system much more transparent. So what about housing? Your campaign says you've worked with Colorado leaders to create a plan that will increase housing supply and lower costs. Can you talk through that plan? Yeah, this is an enormous pain point for Coloradans. I mean, I've heard people for the first time say they're thinking of moving out of Colorado because housing is so expensive here. When I was the superintendent of schools in Denver, you know, I never met a teacher who didn't live in Denver. Everybody lived in Denver. But now today, if you're teaching in DPS, in, in Denver public schools, people can't generally afford to live in the city and county of Denver. So this is an enormous issue. That's why... I put together a group of experts from all over the state. They said we need to build more housing. We need to we need to uh, speed up the, the the approval of housing in our state, and we need to uh, we need to innovate with respect to building materials and and the way houses are constructed. And we are trying to we are writing a piece of legislation right now that will memorialize those recommendations in it a set of incentives that will um, allow the federal housing money to be used in a way that's much more efficient, I hope, and much more productive. There's obviously a lot of factors that contribute to rising costs. One factor is investing groups buying up homes that as opposed to first-time homeowners, and that's driving up prices. I actually think a quarter of all homes sold last year were bought by investors in Colorado, single-family homes. What should be done to prevent investors from impeding on homeowners' access to homes? It's such a good question, and I don't know the answer yet. It's something that we need to analyze and study. It's a relatively uh, recent phenomenon, but I've met people just you know, in, in, in all over Colorado who have asked, why are these out-of-state interests able to bid on houses before, you know, your average person has the chance to do that? And, and then they, they're not obviously living in the houses. They're turning around and then renting the houses, which I think creates a distortion in the market. So this is something we really have to look at. I've not had a chance yet to study it, but I will after the election. So speaking of interests, um, you've been a senator for over a decade now. And your campaigning, partly part of the campaign platform is anti-corruption in Washington and putting an end, as, as your website says, to corporate and special interest influence. How have you worked to address this so far in the Senate? And, and, and what progress has been made? Well, I'd say that the elements of the Inflation Reduction Act that we just talked about are a big step forward in the sense that we finally overcame pharma to require Medicare to negotiate drug prices 
for the American people. That's something that you know for, that has been decades in the in the, in the making, and 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 we finally got that done. I think that's probably the best recent example. Um, there, unfortunately, there's more that we have to do to get money out of our politics. We've got to create disclosure in our political system so people can know um, who's actually advertising in our political campaigns. I think that we've got to ban political gerrymandering in, in this country like we've done in Colorado. We, we have a very uh, competitive new congressional district in Colorado. So I think there's much more work to do, and it's one of the reasons why I, I want to go back. That was Democratic Senator Michael Bennett speaking about his campaign for re-election. We're going to pivot away from the specific races now to talk about democracy in general. KUNC teamed up with America Amplified and other public radio stations all around the country for a special project, Democracy from the Ground Up. These are stories that take a look at the many ways people contribute to their communities by uniting them. With all the talk of democracy under threat, the purpose is to see what is working. As part of this project, KUNC's Ray Solomon takes us to Yuma, Colorado, to share this story about a charismatic band teacher. You really did good. Morning, Brian. He's the main reason, like, most people go into band. He's always helping out everybody, and so you just kind of look up to him, and then you kind of do the same. He's trying to teach us to stay together. Instead of a class, he wants us to be more of like a family. My name's Rob Zaylor. Being in band and, and having the teachers that I had shaped me and, and turned me into what I hope I am for other kids. If you hear kids making music anywhere in Yuma, Colorado, you probably have Robert Zaylor to thank. He's the instrumental music teacher for the school district. Okay, low brass, are you ready? I'll ever be. His first class of the day is the main event, high school band. Let's go just with a nice, easy warm-up, half notes. Yuma is a small town of about 3,500 people on Colorado's far eastern plains, right in the middle of one of the state's most productive agricultural areas. And Robert Zaylor's high school music program is kind of a center of gravity for the town. Kids flock to the band room. Even though it can be difficult, it's like stress relief for me. Anna Chapman started playing the trumpet with Mr. Zaylor in the fifth grade. Now she's a junior, playing in the high school band. It's always just... He's probably making some joke that's I find hilarious, and it's always just like the calm in the storm. Twelfth grader Jaime Montanez is another fan. Roberto is an awesome teacher. <laughs> when Zaylor first arrived in Yuma 15 years ago, the band was not the institution it is now. Let's see. He keeps a picture on his desk of that very first crop of band students. I think there was 16 in that group. Um, just barely enough to fill up the first two rows of the band room. And I was, I had that moment of, oh no, what this might not work. But within a few years, he turned an anemic band program on life support into one of the most popular classes in school. It helps that he has a sense of humor. Teenagers love that. But he's so successful with the kids because he doesn't really see his role as just making music with them. As band teacher, his job is building a community. This is a spot and this is a group that kids need, and some kids need more than others. He encourages the kids to rely on each other by giving the more advanced students a job, to reach back and help their peers get better. You can cherry pick your 
your talented kids, your ones who've been in it for longer and say, okay, so I'm gonna find five kids that are maybe a little less confident or much less confident and I'm gonna put them next to a person that they can hear the melody, they can hear what they're supposed to be doing. I feel like that's, that, that's a really safe way for a kid to feel like, okay, I can, now I know what it's supposed to sound like. Drums go to rim so he can really hear notes. What? Every band practice, he runs through this ritual that demonstrates his philosophy. One by one, each class of musicians goes quiet, starting with the seniors. They know when it's about to happen. Uh-oh, he's going to start taking people away. And the whole time you can just see the freshmen's eyes get bigger and bigger and bigger, like, oh no, we're, we're next and we're going to have to play by ourselves. Goodbye sophomores, here we go, ninthers, here we go. And then I think the most important thing, because it wouldn't work if you didn't do this at the end, is to bring everybody back in together. Now listen to us. This is this is so much bigger and better when everybody's back in. Good. That's good. In a functioning community, people need to feel connected, like they belong somewhere. They need to feel a sense of purpose and an obligation to each other. That's what the Yuma High School Band practices each morning. In Yuma, Colorado, I'm Ray Solomon. That story is part of the America Amplified Initiative. America Amplified is a national public media collaboration focused on community engagement reporting. That's all for today on Colorado Edition. Thanks for listening to a special 2022 midterm elections episode. Join us for another special episode next week, hosted by my colleague Scott Franz, who will be speaking to the candidates running for governor. You definitely don't want to miss that one. So make sure to subscribe to the Colorado Edition podcast on your favorite podcast app. Our theme music is composed by Colorado musicians Brianna Harris and Johnny Burroughs. Other music in the show is by Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods. Have a great weekend.